that time of the week. Time for a brand new episode of your favorite, that's right, I said it, your favorite podcast. Terribly funny. Hi friends, it's your best friend and your host, Steve Bazelone. And this, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. Uh, you get it. Uh, today we have a wonderful guest. He's a, a dude that I've known for many years, but uh, only recently become better friends with him. And it's Jensen Karp. What can I tell you about Jensen? Well, I can tell you, he has, he's a renaissance man. He's legit done everything. He started off his career uh, rapping. He was, if you know anything about hip hop, then you're probably familiar with Hot Carl from the uh, late 90s, early aughts. Uh, this, this guy's incredibly talented in, 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 you know, kind of prepping for this. I watched a video where he rapped at 12 years old and he was just fucking dope. Anyways, he's done it all. He's, he's a comedy writer. He wrote for the WWE for a while. Uh, he is a podcaster. Uh, uh, he is currently working, working on a show, uh, that's called Rap Battle. He's executive producing that. Um, that'll be out soon. And he's also a book writer. He's written books. He wrote Just Can't Get Enough, which came out uh, five years ago, six years ago, something like that. He also had a book come out in July called Kanye West Owes Me $300 and other true stories from a white rapper who almost made it big. Uh, it's He's got some crazy stories in there. Uh, so definitely check that out. Just get hip to what he does. He also has an art gallery. Did I mention that? Yeah, he's got an art gallery. What I'm saying is the guy does everything. Uh, he's a very cool guy. He, he he was very open and vulnerable, vulnerable with me, and I think you're really going to like it. He talks about death and loss and, and uh, brain tumors, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so there's that. Uh, now, let me say, right now, do you like this show? I th- you probably do because you're listening to it. Uh, if you do, go to our iTunes page, leave us a comment, give us a review, give us a, a rating. Those things help us. Also, if you want to have any sort of dialogue with us, you can do so. I'd love to hear from you. Our email is terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. Um, we also have an Instagram. We, we have a Twitter. We've got all the things. Go check us out. That portion is done. Now, let's get to the good stuff, which is, of course, Jensen talking. Right? Okay, here we go. Uh, theme music, please. Great. You're, that's perfect. Um, uh, 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 you like doing the, the rap battle stuff, though. I no, I do. It's not. It's it's weird to have a talent at like eleven years old uh-huh. and still be doing it at thirty-seven. Well, you know, like I still want to be an architectural engineer because that was like what I thought I wanted to do when I was eleven. Did you go to? Well, I mean, I also want to be like a cowboy, but that's not necessarily possible. Can you ride a horse? <laughs> yeah, that, I guess that is the one yeah. thing I need to know. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like doing rap battles. It's something that I've enjoyed forever. It's insult comedy that rhymes. I've have been, you know, obsessive about the genre right. since I was in third grade. Well, legit, you were good at it when you were eleven. Oh yeah. How did that... Like, I don't know. I hear rap music since th- second or third grade. I've just heard it differently. I've, right. heard li- I've heard it lyrically. So when, you know, I opened for Ice-T when I was 12 years old here That's in LA. fucking crazy. And if you watch that video, because I put it on YouTube after the book came out, if you watch that video, I- I'm still, I'm basically doing the same shit. It's no different. We're dissing another bad creation, which was like right. a hot group at sure, the time. Sure, I remember. ABC. Yeah, and like, it's the same thing I did for David Schwimmer or Anne Hathaway on the Corden show. It's like the same, the same dissing, the same, the same uh. inflection. It's the same dude. It's just, I'm 25 years older. Okay, does there like a part of you when you look back at that, you're like, why haven't I evolved? Or, or, because like I know sometimes I'll go back and like, I was cleaning out like an upstairs closet like uh, a couple months ago and I found like a short story I wrote when I was like 19. Yeah. I was like, 
I don't think I've gotten any better. I think I was maybe better, but I mean, I wasn't, but it was like, oh, this, I was, I, was I thought it was a disaster back then. No, and I was like, better then. Yeah. But I also, I also practiced so you did much. All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, that's different, but, but do I, evolving, I think my humor is much better. I have a voice. Like mm-hmm. when I wanted to diss another bad creation, I just did it because they were short or had stupid names, which right. I can still do, but sure. at the same time, like there's no real voice in it. And now I think at least I have a, perspective at 37 you know what i mean like yeah. at least there's some at least well, you, it's coming from some heart we also have some life behind you <laughs> yeah. which is just like an important thing yeah at 11 it's tougher yeah like this 19 year old short story was just about like missing home and that's like all i knew about like <laughs> that, that and what, like from wanting to make out with no like just like a college like oh, freshman oh, year yeah. college yeah. like what is the identity of home like that's the only thing i could write <laughs> yeah, about but if you go to emerson and don't write poetry long form they well, yeah. kick you out right no yeah yeah <laughs> you get you immediately or no there's a bypass if you make out with a bunch of dudes and then, you know, it's, then fine. it's fine yeah and yeah. if you join the improv group yeah you do that but that's basically the same thing <laughs> those, as poetry yeah. those are the two things you can do those. improv being a, a sort of a branch off of uh, of poetry yeah yeah it doesn't have to be good <laughs> no it's no 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 good. it's actually better if it's not good because it's more thought-provoking yeah i did um at usc when i got there i did a couple open mics for rapping and i do remember that i did one at the coffee shop mm-hmm. and i was like most people went up and did bad college poetry and then sure. I went up and was like, my, my skills are just, you know, just yep, fucking rapping. Uh-huh. And so one of them, I was like, uh, and if you try to battle me, you obviously get hurt. Uh, you should have never taken flight like Payne Stewart, uh, which he had died uh-huh. the day before in a plane crash. Oh boy. And immediately they stopped my mic. Really? They yeah. just turned it off? Yeah, like censorship in college. Because they were huge Payne Stewart fans? I have no idea. But I remember being taken off that time and then I also remember another time where I was freestyling at an open mic and said I have a bigger dick than Dirk Diggler, which was mm-hmm. timely then because the movie had recently. I think come it out. still works. Yeah, it still kind of yeah. works. It's, uh, uh, what are you gonna do for big dicks? You're doing that or John Holmes? Those yeah, are like or, the two or, reference points. Or uh, who? Doesn't there's like someone who's had a sex tape or something drop? Oh, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee, that sure. Would work. But that's like he has yeah. like a nine iron. Yeah, that's <laughs> not fair. Not a fair yeah, reference. Not fair. Uh, and so um, I got dropped off. They like pulled my mic then too. I got pulled a college. I've had censorship more than in any other situation at SC. But why saying, why referring to your dick? Is, I don't think why I was is supposed that a curse. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I got banned from Spring Fling, our, our big concert every year, um, after what they said was inciting a riot opening for Living Legends. I, 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 it was a very weird school in that way because they loved parading me around when I got my million dollar record deal. Sure. But before that, I incited a riot. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was a, a rough, and me and Aloe Black, who was in yeah. a group then called uh, Eminem, he would we would play with each other, you know. He'd open for me, I'd open for him uh, monthly at a certain point, uh, and then I just dropped off. They stopped stopped asking me to do shit. Isn't that also isn't that also like a fascinating, frustrating thing where like nobody gives a shit until like somebody else yeah. validates you, and yeah. they're like, "Oh yes, that is ours." Well, they wanted we I, they wanted me to make you know donations, from of course, record deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's also interesting, and then we'll get into some real shit. But yeah. like I have always liked music I'm not like I can't play for shit but I can listen to music all the time I never listen to podcasts because I just always listen to music yeah why would you do that yeah it's a, it's a waste of time <laughs> and, and to do them too um, but like I am not one of those people who like just lyrics don't stick to me ah oh, see that's all I hear I hear like I know when the snare comes in like yeah. I know like the bass line I but like I, I couldn't tell you like songs were like uh, they've been like favorite songs for years like my a college roommate like he would just hear a song once into the lyrics and yeah. be like motherfucker oh that's <laughs> what that chorus is yeah. and it was like so frustrating but you hear all the drums 
and, yeah. and horns and yeah i can hear i mean it just like that sticks to me more than, than the words yeah yeah i've been lyric based my whole life like chino excel and feral munch and oh wow and most deaf and all these guys coming up that when i was growing up that's all i heard even even in beastie boys cases it's like i knew she's crafty was sexist when sure. i was like in third grade because i was like well that's all i hear yeah and i don't really hear a ton of the beat so um, and then when I'm rapping, I just hear the one drum that I'm sort of writing. Uh, that's like that's such it. a like an intangible skill. It's very weird. It's it's, an, it's pretty it's, cool. Though. It's cool. It's cool in a sense. I mean, I I was so nerdy about it that in middle school, you know, I was bullied for it um, for liking rap, being wanting to be black, um, pretty heavily. I mean, I was chased around the school by like 50 kids. That's cool. Yeah, that's very heavily. Very heavily. That's yeah. the most heavily. Yeah. Last day of school in sixth grade, I got chased around the uh, around the campus. Oh, so they waited till the end of the they year, did, so they yeah. had, like no ramifications. Yeah, it was really smart. A real bummer. It was about yeah. 50 kids, and and when I got the book deal, a couple of those kids that I be, I became friends with them the next year. Sure. Um, but a lot of them reached out and was like, "Are you going to talk about that?" I was like, "Yes." Yeah, of course. You fucking bullied me for hip hop, uh, and so um, you know, it, it, it it's it's. It's a cool, it's a cool talent in a sense that that became that became hip. Yeah. But like, there are kids who were bullied for Dungeons and Dragons that still at this age are having a tough time with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I just got lucky with, with the nerdy shit I picked. Well, yeah. I mean, but I, I always it's... knew like Nelly was around the corner. I really did. Right. I, like, I knew that someone bone thugs. I knew that some group was going to come out and all the white kids were going to play it from their jeeps. Like I knew that was coming. I just didn't know when. And do you do you think bone thugs was kind of what did it? Because for it's me, it's a biggie. Like... It's a big. I'm also biggie, but, but it's, yeah. it's a big, a big. A, uh, bone thugs is big to me. Watching the translation. Because, like, I remember, like, Ladies' Night, the mm-hmm. song with, with Foxy and Angie yeah, yeah. Martinez. Like, I remember that being played at college campuses. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, um, you know, like, I, I just remember it going from rap parties to normal parties. Right. Having uh, my cat is on the, on yeah, the table. Yeah, he's a good fucking cat. Uh, I do remember it going from, from, oh, this is a rap party to, oh, this is a college party. Right. And I remember that being Big Pun and and Bone Thugs and, and Tribe. Like those, those were, and all white yeah. kids like Tribe anyway, but this, this was like, at least it was becoming a party thing. Hold on, I'm going to move my cat. I like Bill. Hey, Bill. Yeah. I'm good. Um, yeah, I guess I remember it being like, because I was East Coast, even though Pittsburgh is not really East Coast. Yeah, I consider it East Coast. Yeah. Or I don't now, but then I was like, we're definitely East Coast now. I'm like, oh, it's super Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's a little bit fat, yeah, a little bit friendly. Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller. That's it. Pittsburgh that's, guys. That's, yeah, there's, that's another, amazing. Uh, there's a couple guys, but that, those are the two biggies. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, like when Wiz came out, I was like, really? From a guy from Pittsburgh? Yeah. And, um, and heavily. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, I just remember like more like, I think like Snoop would be like the first thing like, oh, this is like everybody's biggie, yeah. into this. Yeah, that was a huge one. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I... I think even in Snoop's case, it was like cassette singles were cool. A single was cool, you know, like oh, right. one song. And then when the Chronic comes out and all these other albums, I mean, Chronic's before Doggy Style, but in those times when those albums are coming out, people are buying the whole record, the Wu Tang yeah. record. The way yeah. it's starting to pick up. But for me in Calabasas, where I grew up, mm-hmm. or Woodland Hills, it's ninety eight, ninety nine is really when sort you- of the breaking point. So like Mace, it's late. Mace it's late. and like Mace Puffy and Puffy, stuff. yeah. It's a little late. It's later wow. than other schools, uh, other areas, but that was the one that broke. I mean, when I did UB Illin by Run DMC for my mm-hmm. third grade talent show, teachers asked my mom, what music is that? That's crazy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They didn't even, they've never heard it before. Third grade was early for me, but, or for like that, but like I remember, uh, I mean, shit, just having like all of my friends had crisscross. Yeah. The, that was the a biggie. Set of that. That was a biggie. You know but that's, I mean? that's, that, but that's like pop. 
It is pop. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's but it's cool. like, but it's like the gateway into that. Yeah. Like everybody had well, that's like, what, like Gerardo, yeah, Gerardo, Rico Suave. And yeah, there were songs that were big gateways for a lot of people. But as far as like credible hip hop, I was buying Eric B and Rakim in third and fourth grade because that was just what was that's yeah. what spoke to me. Yeah, and I was trying to get other kids into it, and it was like you know, and I liked MC Hammer, but and I liked Fresh Prince, I liked yeah. a lot of the pop stuff, but I was just like, yo, but what about this? And hand them the third bass tape, and yeah, they didn't care. Yeah, it wasn't until like I was like in middle high school that I started getting like De La Soul yeah. and like got into like you remember a uh, Camp Low? Yeah, please, it, like they, it turns uh twenty five this That's week. Crazy this week. They are twenty five or twenty. Uh, twenty, I believe. And they uh, like they, the whole this is this is it. What? Yeah, Uptown Saturday Night. So That's this crazy. this last month they released Uptown Saturday Night demos, which is a whole album you can get, mm-hmm. and it's the demo that got them the album. So it has five or six first first versions of the songs you know, right. and then six maybe five or six songs you've never heard that didn't make the album. And there's like two of them that are incredible. That's fucking one where they sample Anita Baker. And really? It, yeah, it's really good. That's amazing. Yeah. That's all like kind of off brand for them because all yeah. they did was like talk about Sonny Chiba nonstop. Yeah, yeah. And I was well, like, who is Sonny Chiba? Yeah. Like, it got me into yeah. like more into Kung Fu shit. The guy who produced that album did Reasonable Doubt for Jay Z. Okay. And so you'll hear this demo record, which I think is called like Uptown Saturday Night The Sessions or something. And you'll hear very, just a lot of this sounds like Reasonable Doubt, the stuff they didn't use. That's cool. Uh, but it's great. It's a really, I mean, it's uh, Spin Magazine called it the best release of 2017 so far. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's good. It sounds like, it sounds like a new record from 1995. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Which I'm very into. And also, I think that's the first time I've heard somebody quote Spin Magazine for a long time. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Spin. I, I still read. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. I used to have that subscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess just, you know, a very seamless transition. Yeah. Let's talk about some bad shit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, wh- wh- where do you want to, where do you want to go? It's up to you, man. I, don't, uh, I, don't, I, I only know, you know, snippets of your life, so I can't really guide the yeah. conversation. No, I mean, I've had, I've had tragedy in a, in a more common way than other people, I think. I think that I've faced it uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I think between, you know, my father's passing in 08, uh, my parents divorced when I was 22, 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, his cancer, which was crazy, his sort of addictive uh, ways that sort of came after the divorce. Right. And, you know, two friends dying in college. You oh, know, boy. Th- like, uh, there were things that just happened to me uh, while I was supposed to be the happiest person in the world. Right. While so, all like, these amazing while things were kind of happening. happening to me, yeah. And so I've sort of equated those things during that time as just like large bumps in the road. Right. So I don't know if I don't know if I've ever necessarily like writing the book was really cathartic for me to to face the failure of Interscope, which was right. a tragedy to me. No one else, but it's a small violin. Well, but, no, but that's but that's like a huge yeah. thing. Like this is what my life. I, I can see the road ahead of me. Yeah, and but then, then it just stops, yeah. and that was a hard tragedy for me. But then, like even facing my own, um, my coping with that issue was tragic for me. But. Um, I mean, I don't know what speaks to you from there, but I, you, well, I you a, tell me. I guess I have a question, a couple yeah. questions based on that. Um, and this is like something I'm always interested in because yeah. my parents divorced when I was young. I was like, I mean, they never were in a great place. Mm-hmm. I remember like when What's they were young though. Uh, my dad moved out when I was in fourth grade. Okay. So was that like 10? Yeah. Young. And then they split up officially, divorced officially when I was like in fifth or sixth. Okay. Um, but I'm always interested if like, do you think this is a totally subjective, there's not a right sure. answer, but do you think it's easier to go through that younger or like as you are where you're like a fully formed adult. I was a grown man, yeah. yeah. I think I think the 
I think it's easier as a kid, and I'll tell you why. There's no right answer. I agree, but, but I will I'm tell you to hear you, why you think so. Because when you're an adult, you can take sides, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of a problem because you hear reason and you're like, oh, that's bad. You know, yeah. you 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 know that there's someone wrong and right. I'm not not black and white, but gray area wrong and gray area sure. right. You know that in certain cases, your mom is wrong or your dad is wrong or they're both wrong. You you. You know more about life, so it's yes. it's like it's it, when you're a kid, you're just like, but why? You know, yeah. you don't, you, but you don't ever listen to the, you don't understand their reasoning. Well, I also think it's that like when you're younger, my my experience is like I was protected from all that nonsense. Absolutely, Whereas yeah. like you're older, like oh, I can badmouth your mom or yeah. your dad as much as I want because you're an adult. Yeah, you should know this. Yeah, and I was sort of put in the middle at times regarding um, finances and Oof, yeah, like like worst. possible court stuff, like. It was like your dad, like your dad is doing this for my mom, and then my dad having an answer for that that was crazy, and so I'd I'd have to number one be kind of mad at my mom for involving me, and then two be mad at my dad for crazy answer. Um, so I didn't know yeah. where to like fall into those because I just was you know I was engulfed in them as well. I was sort of raised as a bubble boy, right? Like I was very close to my parents, and uh, like so much so that I was like square growing up. Like I sure. like, only because I like liked hanging out with them and I didn't like disappointing them. Yeah. So I wasn't I didn't do anything fucked up really ever. I never well, incited a few riots, but other than yes. that, well, yeah. Well, yeah, living yeah. legends are yeah. so good. Um, and so I uh, like though I never really rebelled against them. And so when it came time to sort of uh, hear about their divorce, it was so easy for me to like hear the truth. Right. And I think it's because I was like, but we're all, you know, we all are a team though. <laughs> right, You know, right. even at 20, yeah. 22, you're like, you know, but we're all, we're all a team. And then you realize, oh, that's, they're as, you know, they're as faulted as, as you are. Well, I think that's a, just like a fundamental, like kick in the dick about growing up is like recognizing your parents' fallibilities and like yeah. seeing them as like, oh, Humans. right. Yeah. You're like a very vulnerable person. <laughs> you're a Maybe even being. more so than me. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that is, you know, my mom. Um, has been since my parents divorced and my dad passed and my mom was in like a nine year relationship with a uh, verbally abusive guy and uh, it was intense for me because it was going from like this nice man who sort of my father really collapsed on himself and then to have like this never was mean to other people Mm -hmm. and then to have uh, a guy be just excuse me outwardly mean to my mother uh, like those things were shocking yeah. to me and, and that that's like the culture shock of losing that team you know losing that bubble and uh i i think that was that was like the hardest part of watching it fall apart my father sort of gets into these prescription drugs and drinking out in vegas and then right. my mother starts dating this man that had almost nothing to do with the values in which i was raised in and it just like it all fell apart what's interesting like it's white guy shit but it's still it's, it's still no, like white guy suburban shit but it's still it was still 100%. painful at that time yeah. well i mean that's like a thing that I, I talk about a lot on this is like you know i've had friends who just talk about losing a dog yeah and like yeah like in the pantheon of like it's hard. Of hard things but yeah. that fucking sucks yeah it's, it's terrible like a best friend or family so like all these things are like yeah you can marginalize They're anything relative. but your experience yeah um but that's interesting that your parents seemingly, without knowing anything about them, it seems like they were both kind of medicating in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Like they were both like searching, yearning for a distraction in some capacity. Yeah, 100%. And, and around that time, too, in college, uh, my freshman year, I uh, actually the beginning of my sophomore year, I had a friend, Kevin, who um, went to uh, Mexico for spring break mm-hmm. and I tried to get him to come to LA instead because he was a big hip hop guy and I wanted to come out here and hang out and record and stuff. And he had friends from Scottsdale where he grew up that were like kind of losers. Mm-hmm. He had, he had, he had failed out of school 
in that way that like freshmen sophomores do where you have right. to like take a semester off or something. So he yeah. was in Scottsdale for a semester and he, I was like, come on, come out to LA. He was like, no, I'm going to go to I forget, Rocky point. Rocky point. Okay. I don't know where that is exactly. And so he, I guess the story goes like this is that he was in his hotel with his girlfriend at the time who I didn't know. It was a girl he had started dating when he was in Scottsdale. Right. And a friend from high school was there and he was over the balcony on like the fifth floor of a hotel and I guess he was being suicidal. So Kevin and his girlfriend at the time talk him off. She feels comfortable, goes inside to go to the bathroom. She comes back from peeing, walks out to the balcony, and they've both fallen off the balcony. They just both fell. Well, it would assume that he, they were trying to get him over. Right. And the one guy slips and takes Kevin, and he flipped Kevin over the railing. Oh, so Kevin fuck. fell first on the floor, and then that kid fell on top of Kevin. Kevin ultimately died on impact, although it took a while. Um, and that kid broke his arm. That broke his arm. Yeah, broke his arm. Oh That's my it. god! And now, and he lived, and and uh, so my friend passes. So my my parents, while having this sort of dilemma of life they're going through, yeah. now have to face tell you know a sev- I'm 17 or just turned 18. Jesus. They have to explain to me how my best friend has died in a spring break accident, which they don't even now talk. My, my mom talks like we didn't really know what to say. We had, I mean, you don't. That doesn't come in the manual. Because um, well, that's like a thing, like a light that is that young and bright should not be snuffed out. And yeah. you say that to your kid. Yeah, and, and you, sp- I spoke at the funeral, and ugh. it was just like one of those moments where uh, I didn't feel it because I'm so. I mean, I did, but I'm so young, you don't grasp what it is. Yeah, but you know, their fa- It just it was a lot of. I was just so bubbled. I didn't face any tragedy until those moments. Until and then it just all kind of came. Yeah, but like seventeen or eighteen, like I mean. I'm astounded by, you know, I'm astounded when I meet people like peers our age that they've like, I've been to like a funeral. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> right, yeah. I've been to like 50. Yeah. But 17 or 18, that's like not, that's just, you're young when yeah, that happens. I'm not sure I'd had ever been to a real funeral. I actually don't, I think that's I had been to like. the first one to go I know. to, man. I think I had been to like a, a distant cousin who had mm-hmm. gotten to a car crash uh, and that's it. I think a cousin I never met. My mom. It was my mom knew obviously her parents, and that was why we went. Um, but I think that's the only one. Also, that's a rough first funeral because I went to like a shit ton of funerals because I have a big family. But yeah. they were all like, all the funerals I went to are like great aunts and uncles, great grandparents, yeah. grandparents, which is hard. Yeah. But like, it's like it's part of life. That's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's so it's like you can wrap like a even just a car crash. Yeah. If somebody you don't know is like, this is a fucked it's up fucked thing. Up. To, and like, I flew an to like yeah. This world. And I flew to like Phoenix alone. Oof. Yeah, and I had planned even weirder, man. I planned. I had a trip planned to Phoenix the next weekend because we came to the agreement. Like, if you're not coming to LA for spring break, I'll come to Phoenix the next weekend. And so I didn't cancel the trip, which is so fucking crazy. So I just went out there anyway and just hung out with his friends. I don't remember any of that. Like, I can't tell you anything yeah. what I did. But then. that sounds like nice. I would it understand was, how like, that'd be like closure, but like also. But it didn't. I didn't know any yeah. of them. Yeah, it was super. It was all very weird. But at that point, like, aren't you just like yearning for anything? Like, I just like get. I remember. Uh, uh, a friend of mine's dad died and she was like just desperate to going through his closet like to try to find that smell. Oh yeah. I, and oh so my it's like, God. it's like the same thing. Like just yeah. get me close to wh- anything that they are. Yeah. My dad, it's my, with my dad's passing, which happened when I was 28. Uh, I didn't really feel that way. I, I had a really, as, as, as turbulent as our relationship was with his sort of journey um, that he went on his own. Uh, when we, when we ended, because I was his caretaker, so when mm-hmm. when it was ending, we had this like beautiful conversation about closing those those ends, like mm-hmm. tying them off, and just sort of being like, "Here's what hurt me, here's oh, wow. what I needed," 
and he would he would agree and he would he would he said all the answers I've been waiting to hear for years. So when he passed, I was terribly broken, but but right. I but I had the best ending I could have had for him. So it's different when Kevin who falls off a balcony. I mean, I didn't get to, the last thing I said to him was I love you when we got off the phone, you know, at 18. Uh but not a, you know, not a goodbye. I had a real goodbye with my father. So yeah. it, it it's 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 difficult to sort of imagine how I faced that at such a young age with Kevin, but later in life, it, it clearly helped me with my dad. And well, I think you, well, also you have, you know what's inevitably happening because yeah. if he's sick and he has cancer, you know what's, I mean, is that, I don't think that makes it easier, but at least you have like time to like, okay, process, it's much better. It's I much want? better. Like, um, so I had an artist cause I own the art, the art mm-hmm. galleries on Melrose and I had an artist who, when my dad died, cause my dad was always very visible at the gallery. And I had an artist come in and he was like, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing right now. And I was like, well, it's actually kind of easier than you think. You know, you, you, something sort of kicks in right. to help. And uh, he was like, I don't know what I would do if my dad died. And I was like, yeah. Uh, he's like, I don't know if it's easier if you know or you don't know. I was like, yeah, I don't know either. And I didn't hear from him for like five days. And then mm-hmm. he came in on the sixth day and was like, my dad died Holy uh, shit. two days later in a boating accident. He Ugh. froze in the water. And he was like, and all I thought about was our conversation and I, and I was like, yeah, it's easier. It's easier for me. Yeah. It's definitely easier for me. Because even I had a friend die a couple of years later. So my two friends who passed, I had another friend named Cameron who passed, who was on, um, I grew up with him at summer camp and he was on my bowling team. And one bowling night, he went back to sleep and didn't wake up. He had like a heart condition that hadn't been diagnosed and he just didn't wake up. And in that case, he was 20, uh, 24, 23. Uh, and in that case, like that's, tragic yeah like he was a healthy guy i mean he yeah. was very athletic and skinny and 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 healthy and then you know to have this sort of undiagnosed heart condition yeah um like you know we i've been around sick people and at least you get to talk about what mortality is and all these things yeah. but but when it's like a 18 to even 38 or four i mean that's those are crazy ages to die yeah that's bonkers it's yeah. that's also like astounding to me that like that happened to your buddy cameron because i it's astounding to me like how f- often that happens. Like I have a friend who is just like more an acquaintance. I did a semester abroad with him yeah. and he was like dating a friend. But same thing was out playing basketball when he's like 21 and just like, yeah. that's it. And when we like, were growing un- up, that was like a common, like Hank Gathers and Reggie Lewis and these dudes were dying with playing yeah. basketball. Yeah. And then, and then Cameron was a basketball player too. And it was like, um, I, it's also fucking fragile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think like the the difference I, from my perspective because I've that's the thing like I lost that friend, but he was he was like a cursory friend, and for me to like really, I mean like it, I think it shook me up more in a uh, mortality way than it did about him specifically because I didn't know him that well. I yeah. like, spent some time with and him. People in, in your life come and go. Like I, yeah. a couple people in my rap career have passed recently, and like I didn't see them since then, but right. it's still sad as shit. It's just you know it's not as you didn't see them every day. Yeah, you know? and I think it also still like breaks you up in the way that like you know the city slickers like they all got sad about you know Curly. <laughs> yeah, but, or, like, or Robin, w- or Robin Williams. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean there are people, yeah. there are celebrities who passed away. I mean, obviously David Bowie and Prince, and there's people where I, you feel so invested in them, and it's more and more of these people are dying. Uh, from our childhoods yeah. or from growing up, and it's like you know these aren't Gene Wilder's not just like a dude we saw in Willy Wonka. Like we like we know about him. Like yeah. we know about his, his girlfriends and his wives, and yeah. we know these things about these people. And and uh, you know, I guess I don't know. The internet age is weird. It is weird, but I also think that's an interesting point. Just like because why do you you feel invested in people that you don't know? Like I remember when John Candy died. Like yeah. my grandfather told me that, and I was like, 
get out of here. That's <laughs> yeah. not real. Like, because he was like a jokester. And I was like, Are yeah. you, this is just a weird joke. And then like when I actually realized it was real on, 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 on television, like I cried. Yeah, well, I, I was like 10, but like why did that? Yeah, two girls from my high school, um, my class, from my mm-hmm. graduating class have committed suicide. They were friends in high school, but not friends after, which is super weird, a weird yeah. detail. So um, one of them, had uh, when my comedy career had started, mm-hmm. just like when after Hot Carl in the gallery, and then I started writing and I started showing up on things, and I did the Howard Stern show, and mm-hmm. I started to do more and more. And um, this girl who I didn't even really truly remember from high school, kind of remembered her name, but she had written me on Facebook and been like, "We're so happy to me, me and my husband are so happy to hear you on Stern and keep up the great work." And, right. and then and then I showed up on something and she was like, "Great job on this," and I didn't know her, but yeah. she was one of like maybe. Two people who would email me when I was on something. That's, That's nice. Pretty minimal. Yeah. And so, and I don't know her. And then I watched Facebook turn into like a memorial for her. Yeah. And so I wrote this thing on, I don't know, I guess I had a blog at the time because mm-hmm. it's a while back. And I wrote this thing about like, am I friends with her? Like, am right. I sad? I think I'm really sad. Yeah. And it was like, that's the, like, I wouldn't have known her if she walked on the street. We went to high school together, but I don't think I could have pointed her out. And there was never a time I asked her out to food. Yeah. I don't think I ever would have, but I feel sad in her death. And her parents ended up writing me. Oh, um, wow. And being like, uh, you know, a lot of people have had similar feelings. Um, her reaching out to you is was clearly like a good thing. And right. they're happy I was able to sort of talk about it. It was really nice. Um, and her brother also wrote me. Uh, but it is a weird, it's like a weird scene on the internet where I don't yeah. know if like losing actual friends like Kevin and Cameron and then losing a celebrity you feel close to or a girl you went to high school with that wrote you when you were on the radio right they're all kind of connected well they are because I think what is it just it's like a reflection back of like oh we're these, all gonna die we're all gonna die yeah. and that just that reminder is always like oof yeah it's not have it enough for being Jewish yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> including now this um but I, I, you know, I had a uh, a girl that I have not talked to since I was probably a sophomore in high school. She no. died of an overdose. Oh God! Like uh, a year ago, year and a half ago, and I dated her when I was in eighth grade. Yeah, it's, and then it works. Yeah, and I like it was the first boob I ever touched during <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Yes. So oh, class very act. Sexy yeah. Movie. Like touching her boob while like Harlan Williams is drinking piss, like and then laughing and admittedly terrible that movie. wasn't in the movie that was actually where you were saying no he was just like right <laughs> in front of me you drinking yeah he's got a, some weird fetishes <laughs> but you know it works uh but like so i didn't know this girl at all but like i heard about that and still like just immense instantly like flattens time and like yeah. i remember all that shit like i didn't know this girl yeah, but it's just like that you touched so deed yeah that's a big deal that's a that i was fond of that that boob yeah. is an indelible mark in my life i mean yeah i mean i i think all that stuff play i mean it's, it just plays you know there was a girl in my high school she was uh, two years younger than me or three years younger she's like one of those really beautiful girls mm-hmm. like real I remembered her um, she was like the freshman everybody thought was cute mm-hmm. you know and um, I had heard she ran into some like issues she started dating uh, I should probably just not say I, he, she started dating like a child star that I knew was troubled sure they dated for a long time I had heard she was troubled but then I heard she cleaned up like completely sober and she was running Central Park and died um, from the issues she created from right. those years. Right. Um, and uh, her mom has created a pretty um, intense charity I, th- I think is doing really well and she wrote a book about it. Right. Um, and uh, those, like I don't, I only remember her being a cute freshman. Yeah. But those, like I don't know if it's because the internet, like like my, my 25 year reunion is this year, right? Mm-hmm. 20? No, 20. 20. My 20th an- uh, high school reunion is this year and I uh, 
I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a good time at the ten, but I'm definitely gonna have more. Well, more ten, fun. I feel like it's so like stupid. what are we doing yeah, here? No one knows who they are. See, yeah. yeah, now we're grown people and it's good. Um, but you know, it's obviously different because we like all know where each other are because of Facebook and Twitter and everything. And right. But but I wonder if you know I wonder if back before that when I heard someone died in Central Park but like couldn't immediately check on it. I right. wonder if it was just the way you know like communication happens you just know more instantly and yeah, that, think, that kind of fucks with the definition a little yeah it does because like I'm, you know and the, i remember hearing a, a kid who died who committed suicide when i was in college a kid i went to high school with and yeah. he was like a nice enough kid but like you know a little bit he was always like a little bit of an oddball sure. but a sweet kid but then i heard that he committed suicide like a month after he did and it's still like going through the same process yeah, of like it's shock. like how deadwood worked yeah. you have to like hear when the wagons come yeah i remember yeah. that yeah it didn't happen like that later i mean I, as soon as as soon as someone died, I know immediately from Facebook now. Yeah, which is weird because it feels like you are somehow let into this very private moment. Yeah, I don't know if I'm friends or not. That was my thing. I yeah. have my friends with her. It feels that way. I knew when she died immediately. I, she wrote me all the time. I wrote back. I never ignored it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what? Because I have been fortunate enough to, I mean, like I've had a bunch of shit, but mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough not to like really lose a peer or like one that's close to me. Yeah. And that happened twice when you were yeah, young while you were, Kevin, like, yeah. while you were like really your trajectory and like what you were like developing as a career was like really kind yeah, of both, they both were really popping off yeah. yeah so like how did you did you translate that into work or how did you like even process that like all these you said earlier like well I should have been the happiest yeah and it just felt like there was like a, a, a <sighs> thunderstorm know. on that I don't know that's a good question I think with Cameron like I wrote a book before this book called mm-hmm. uh, Just Can't Get Enough and it was like 80s essays about uh, oh I think you know about it the book that's in your oh, writer's yeah, yeah. room yeah we okay. had that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I wrote that's funny yeah it's we like, always look through like uh, what fucking story can we tell now I don't know <laughs> my, oh we did Rubik's Cube six times what my legacy is that it, yeah. my book is in your mm-hmm. Goldberg's room and has created uh, ideas for shows yep which I'm proud of and I was told that by the creator which I was happy yeah, about yeah. Um, he's a big fan of your gallery too uh, he's a good guy yeah. uh, we've worked we tried to work together uh, people love hearing about this. Um, exactly. And so he, uh, so basically we wrote this book and it was the start of sort of like a stronger comedy career for me. Like it mm-hmm. didn't really pop off per se, but like it was the first time I got paid a lot of money to write, you know? That's nice. And that was nice. Anytime you're getting paid anything to write. Is yeah, it was good. And, and, and Cameron, we, we had a, a, a party for the release Matt and I, Maddie, uh, who's a writer who I'm still friends with and do a podcast with. We wrote this book together and Matt and I, to promote the book performed as Hawk Carl for the final time ever. We've never performed oh, wow. again. And this was years ago. It's now probably 10, 12 years ago. And Cameron, I, I like the last minute, my father and mother, it was, this, oh God, I don't know. Maybe the th- only one of three times they were in the same room, right. Um, past the divorce was at this show. And I didn't want my dad to hold the camera because mm-hmm. I want him to watch the show. And I wanted my mom, who's in the show usually, which she was that night. Oh, that's cool. And I didn't want her to hold the camera. So I just asked Cameron. I don't know why I asked him. He was just around and was like, can you hold it? And he was so good at it. You know, I'd never known that before. But right. I still see, you know, like when I was writing the book, I brought that that video out and was like, Cameron, film this. Like mm-hmm. that shit's fucking crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. to have a friend who is, you know, super close and still has sort of a mark on things you've done. Yeah. Like, you know, Kevin even rapping wise, like when I had a song with MC Search from Third Base, Mm -hmm. like he was the first guy I wanted to call Kevin and he had been dead for five years. That's also a weird thing, right? Like the phantom limb feeling that like, oh, they're still, oh, I don't erase numbers from my phone. No, I never do. It's just like a graveyard now with AM and so many people on my phone that have passed. They're just sitting there. 
That's I think I may take my dad off because I was like, okay, I don't want to make that mistake. But I think yeah. the rest I've... I, I, th- I can't... I have not brought myself to... I mean, like, I know it's just like an arbitrary thing. Yeah. But, like, I have still, like, at some point, I'll probably go back and look at, like, you know, years of text messages oh from my, my mom. God. Like, all that shit saved. I luckily don't have... I'm, oh, no, you are stronger than I am. Oh, I can't I'm even, not doing it now. I but, like, at some at, point, I'll probably right. do that. I can't even look at text messages of exes. Oh, really? No. They get erased. Yeah, well, that's probably, that's probably, I don't know. I think there's like, I have two, I have two minds of that. Like one, it's like, I feel like it's healthier just to like give distance. Oh. But then there's also, I think there's, it's healthier to like, okay, acknowledge where I've come from. And Is it like, though? I don't know. Like, do you look at social media of people you've dated? Um, I don't seek it out. But do you look at it? Yeah. Do you I mean, look if it like, I, I, no. Not if they show up on your timeline, but do you like go to it? No. Okay. I well, there was one. There was one person that I broke up with, or that broke up with me actually, and it's like the only person I really dated in earnest. Yeah, ever. And, no, but like <laughs> since I've been single, since I've been single, been single for three yeah. years. Yeah, and that was like the only thing where like I felt like it like tran- transported me to being like a sixteen year old kid. Like this didn't exist when I was sixteen, but I felt like mopey, like emo. Yeah, because like, it's mm, cutting yourself. It. Yeah, it's Just literally emotional cutting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the worst feeling, and I don't. I did it for a long time, and boy, is my life so much better without it. Yeah, like it's tenfold better so you just like with shit like that just like cut it off yes and no social media yes yeah there's not a fucking question i don't look at anything right but cutting off all relationships does i mean i've done it in some because i have to Mm because that's just i'm not triggering myself that way and then other cases i can do it in in friendly manners but i'm not no i'm not i mean if a relationship ends on a certain term that is not healthy for you then the only reason to bring that back at least in a certain amount of time is to hurt yourself. Yeah. And also like our generation is filled with like lingering. Oh, for sure. It's because like nothing linger- goes away. No, it's the most lingering shit ever. Like that was the thing about Raya. You know what I mean? Like right. it was fun and it's still exciting. It's like so funny, but like it's such a lingering spot. Right. Like it's all yeah. that shit is just all like, those things. Are. Yeah. It's like text, 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 text. What's well, also fascinating. Like the idea that we don't like, you know, growing up, like time capsules was a thing. That was a thing that you <laughs> yeah, did. And my, it's like my elementary school. And now it's like, well, you don't need to fucking do that shit. Yeah. Everything is like it. You can't get away from all the things that you did and all the things. And there's so much, you know, waxing nostalgic about everything and all the time. Like, I want to read that. I want to read you a tweet. I didn't just pick oh, up my phone to be a monster. Um, it made me laugh so hard. John Mayer last night, tweeted this and it made me laugh so hard i hope he didn't erase it uh but it is true the way dating is now uh every text convo with a girl i want to get to know she's clever and witty i'm clever and witty more clever more witty okay bye forever <laughs> like that really is the yeah. way life seems to be you know what i mean like yeah uh, like it's 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 a weird mark of our generation yeah well okay so yeah, I think there's like total merit to that, like in terms of like breakups or relationships. Yeah. But like, what do you do about you do? Are you the same way? Like with mourning? No. Like with your dad? Like you were just like, well, I gotta no, ignore that because no. like that no. feels like unhealthy. No, I'm not a robot. No, yeah. I mean, but I don't like pull out his business card because I found a business card after he died where he like hand wrote something to me on the back mm-hmm. of it. Not like if I die, but like it <laughs> was be, like that would be amazing. Yeah, it was a note that he had left um, about something else to call me about. Like remember to tell Jensen this, right. and he did. It wasn't like right. It wasn't like tell him about the, the diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't Curly's gold. Mm-hmm. That'd uh, be exciting. Yeah, second he tells city me, tells me where Jack Balance's uh, oh, man. gold is. That'd be great. Um, I. Was it Duke? It was, was his it? brother's name. Was it Duke? Oh, because it was Jack Palance. Yeah, he played his brother. Fucking 90s. I mean, come on, man. What God are you doing? damn 90s. Um, and so I 
uh, saw this business card and I didn't like pull it out and rub my hand against the signature. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just don't do that because it just doesn't, it doesn't equal anything. But like I think about my father and I think about exes that I shouldn't and, and I let the regular mourning happen. Right. But I don't like push it further and a lot of people I am around do. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I am pragmatic and like cut things out and other times I feel like and I've used this I think this metaphor before but like you know you grew up in Calabasas but there's like an adage of like you know uh, uh, in a snowstorm if you hit like ice your your natural instinct is to like turn away from it yes. but then you lose traction and it makes it worse Yeah. so you have to fight that instinct and turn into the skid and yeah. that's how you gain, gain traction and like that's how I feel like I do sometimes I don't know this is just has like has it ever me. done good for you has it ever done well for you um I don't know. I don't know like how to quantify that, but like I know that like I've done things where like oh other people would like avoid this. Like I will like go and like sit in like dark theaters about sad movies like after a, a tragic thing has happened, yeah. and like that feels like catharsis because it's like an excuse to cry about something that is not just that, but it's all entwined. I don't know if it's helpful, but it like feels like better than just like well more distractions because I've done distractions too to like avoid feelings. Yeah, and then I think it just I'm somewhere in the middle. Longer. I think maybe I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I definitely don't run away. Mm-hmm. I suffer from a, a disorder called obsessive thoughts disorder. Okay, which is uh, an offspring of OCD, which I've had since I was about eleven, and it means that I I see repeated thoughts mm-hmm. or hear, but not from like a voice. I don't hear voices, but I basically see images repeatedly or hear something repeatedly in the right. same way that like you have to wash your hands fifty times. Sure, same exact thing except for thoughts. So basically, a trauma happened in life thoughts go past that trauma sometimes they stick to the trauma and that's what repeats that's what OCD is basically and uh, I have to create a system for me not to dwell in that right and so I guess I'm in between the two which is like I'll go see that movie because I know it's cathartic Mm -hmm. but I will also know I have to move on right after feeling it right I don't not feel it because that's avoidance yeah but I'm somewhere in between the two which is like if someone I dated it hurts to still think about Mm -hmm. I will think about it when it comes up but you're not going you're but not I searching cannot out. search but people i, I know search fair. yeah I and i know people yeah. who text with their like i know people who can't give up things and, and right. even if they know they can't contact they still do like that is not me yeah like i will hurt in my own way and i am not a robot and i but like i cannot repeatedly just test bang your head up against no the wall. no but does there come a point where you're like okay now i'm good now i have moved on and i've adjusted and maybe there's like yeah. a, a scar from said Always, issue but yeah. like i can yeah. i can re-engage with Which whoever is humanity. this person is. oh yeah. yeah i think so yeah that's humanity i assume i think yeah i assume that's the case and i mean it's been the case for a long time right. yeah um okay so when these like kevin uh cameron, cameron yeah. dad was there like um Go, looking back as you're talking about you yeah know. then my, my best friend at the same time had a stroke he survived what? yeah a chiropractor my best friend Chris from mommy and me group on still my best friend he went to a chiropractor normal no sickness uh-huh. anything very healthy um, and the chiropractor was adjusting him and tore an artery uh. and I this is all in the same five years and uh. this is actually all in the same two months um, so my dad dies and then two months later I get diagnosed with brain tumors which ends up being... How's that? How I know. We buried the lead on that. I know, that. I know. I got diagnosed with brain tumors that didn't... I'll get to that. Yeah. I get diagnosed with brain tumors and then um, my friend Chris has this stroke. I had a, I had, I had a uh, spinal tap to test for my brain tumors. Those are fun, aren't oh, they? Oh, they're just a fucking yeah. blast. I've had uh, three in my life. Oof, I just had... Yeah, not, not worth it. Not worth not it. Not great. Not great. Uh, and so I had... When he got to the hospital, I couldn't even go that night. I had to go the next day and had to like crawl in basically. Um, and he survived. He's totally fine. You wouldn't even know anything's wrong. But that was all in the same 
that was in the same three months, me, the brain, the brain tumors, him and my father. But then Cameron was later that or earlier that year. And then, you know, everything was sort of just happening at the same time. Do you like, is it, was there a moment in that where you're like, what the yeah. fuck? Oh, a lot of what the fucks. I mean, the tumors were the what the fuck. Sure. That was like the what the fuck is happening. Cause I wasn't sick. I had no symptoms. I just, I had a ringing in my ear. Um, and I went to an ear, nose and throat doctor and he fixed it. He's like, oh, you just need a shot of cortisone or whatever, steroid. Mm-hmm. And then it went away and he was like, yeah, but I can get you a free brain tumor scan, like a brain scan. And he's like, because you know, it's insurance cares if you have ringing in your ear. I was like, cool. And but he was like, let's do this. It's yeah. like, I can get you a, what, an extra. A, a, <laughs> like better tires on your yeah, car? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, and so he, 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 and I believe this now. So I always try to, when I'm telling the story, I tell people with brain um, x-rays, it's like dental. Mm-hmm. So if you have a problem when you're like 40, they'd love looking back at like 20, 25, 30, right. because then they could see what the growth has been. Right, right, right. So I always just encourage people now to get a brain scan. But when my brain scan came back, I had three white spots on my midbrain that uh, they couldn't diagnose at first. And so over years of um, MRIs, they've been able to diagnose them as tumors, um, not uh, like lesions of mm-hmm. early MS, you know? Right. So they think it's brain tumors. Um, and so they can't surgically remove them, which they would if they were in any other spot, but because they're right in the middle, I right. would die. Um, that's not or great. go vegetable, yeah. It's yeah. not, a, not a good option. And so they... Um, if they ever grow or multiply, they will chemo or radiate. Right. But they haven't grown or multiplied in six, seven years. That's amazing. Which is a dream, yeah. Do you Have you changed anything of like... No. You're just like, well, we'll see. Just well, keep, I, keep monitor it. I try not to put... I, mean, I never try to put the phone up to my ear. Because okay. at that time, that came up a lot. Right. Um, and so it's not a... You don't hear it as much now, huh? No, because I think it's like so ubiquitous. People are like, well, if it's happening, we're all fucked. Yeah, because the brain doctors at that time were like, I can't tell you no. Yeah. I well, can't tell you still yes, like in, I can't tell in you Europe, no. there's like a lot of things with like more rules passed about like, yeah, don't put that ever against your head. Mm-mm. I cry never. Yeah. Um, but and, I do keep it right next to my yeah, testicles my de- my all dick. the time. Actually, I wrap it around my dick. Yeah, that's yeah, good. It's a great way to hold your mm-hmm. cell phone. Um, I did actually, all jokes aside, I did used to drive like that growing yeah. up. Like I would put my cell phone there. Like sure. right under, like under my leg. Yeah, I mean, like that's what I like. It's usually like right in the because if it's not in my pocket, because that's harder to access. So let's just put it right underneath <laughs> right my scrotum here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that's uh, that was a tough time in my life. Clearly, because yeah. there was seven or eight days, six or seven days, I think, of just not knowing what it is and just being like, okay, I'm dying. You know, I'm going to die now. What is your thought process for that? Were no, you I'm like going to die? Yeah, it yeah. was. It was their brain tumors. They're growing. <sighs> yeah. What was that like? I mean, it was brutal. Because I've had like moments where, because I was sick for a very long time, and I had moments where there was like really only two moments where like this feels not good. Yeah, this feels like, and there was not like a my my illness was not as such that it would kill me necessarily. Yeah. I mean, like it definitely like there's times where like I wanted to take I'm on a yeah this call fifth, a day yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but there was like one or two times where like having a complication, it was like in so much pain, like uh, this doesn't feel great. But it was like not enough time to like really reflect on like. What does this yeah. mean? Yeah, I had like six days of just reflection Ugh. with no symptoms. I've never had really a symptom. I get migraines that can be considered symptoms, but they're right. not. Or maybe they are. I don't know, but they're not that bad. I mean, the, the migraines are fucking terrible. Yeah. But it's not like um, if you have brain tumors and you see double, right. like you just, you're dying, unfortunately. Good to know. Yeah. Um, or fall and can't get up, you're dying. Yeah. Um, and so I don't have those. And so that's a perfectly fine thing to live with. Mm-hmm. So I just have to be on alert you know, for those things. And I I don't have any real issues. So, but did it take a long time for like after that diagnosis and knowing like, okay, these are not growing and it seems like everything is chill, but is there like, you know, a little voice in the back of your head? Like, I know this sounds sounds insane, but maybe, maybe other people who've been in this situation 
Maybe they have a similar experience, but once I was told that they were tumors and we're going to watch them grow, I kind of like, kind of backed off it. I just don't you believe I'm going to die from brain tumors. Right. And if I do, it's going to be much later. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know what kind of weird superhuman shit that no. is, but I just sort of was like, nah. You know, but I, I was at first very scared because I thought they were going to tell me they've already grown to right. a large space. But then when they were like, you know, there's three, only one of them is big. The other two are sort of insignificant. Um, we're going to watch that third one. You know, as long as you don't have any symptoms, you should be fine. And I don't have any symptoms. That's amazing. So that's that. I mean, I, and I guess, yeah, I guess I compartmentalized it. Well, I think that's interesting because like I've seen that in a couple instances, but specific, I mean, different, entirely different. But my mom, as soon as she was, uh, you know, diagnosed with stage four and they yeah. like said like year and a half, two years, um, or a year, year and a half. And it was kind of interesting that it was like almost like, well, let me take that bag off your shoulders and now you're lighter. Like it was like yeah. all the things that she was kind of worried about. Like, I mean, she's still, I can't imagine having to actually know like I got I thought you were saying like she clock. just turned into like La La Land and just like singing on the freeway no not really but right. like but she was like happier I yeah. think she was like more at ease and I yeah. think like maybe it's the same thing as like well okay so I said this one like the rainy day came and I'm yeah. still here so. well someone on Twitter within the last year had asked me because they had listened to me talk about my brain tumors mm-hmm. on the podcast mm-hmm. basically for the first time and they were like it felt like your career you went into overdrive was that on purpose? And I was like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 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 The book is because I wanted to reflect on something I had never faced. And, right. and, you know, at the time, Paul Shear was really like a big mentor for me. Mm-hmm. We had worked together on this lost project and he was nice enough to be like, you know, you're really funny. And you wrote like a, sort of like a pro he's like, and I know you went to USC for filmic writing. And is that something you want to do? And I was like, yeah, I want to joke write again. And you know, that had all happened before the brain tumors. Mm-hmm. Paul's one of the first people I called when I got diagnosed and you know, afterwards as I started to, to really understand what I had it was like well I'm going to do that shit now because right. it was all questionable right before and now I'm going to try to go out there and do it that's inter- I mean that's just like a, a example of like a th- anybody can look at I'm like this is a good thing to do after like any sort of tumultuous kind of obstacle like yeah. turn, turn turn that into fuel in some capacity and that's what I did I definitely did that I mean every I mean I like to think everyone does that from something that gives yeah. them adversity. I mean, they may, they may not be able to do it as quickly. Yeah. Um, do you feel like all these things that happened in like such a, you know, a, a, a very small distilled period of time, yeah. did that, did that like give you an edge? Not an edge in terms of like um, a, a leg up on other things, but did that like give you like a hardness? Did it harden you in any way? Like, did well, I mean, anger? I was so soft. I mean, right. that's the thing is that, yes. Yeah, because I was, I was so, I'm still very sensitive to like a, I think, a detrimental space of right. sensitivity. Um, but I do think that, at, and I've said this recently to people, I guess maybe I've been facing some bigger, like obviously I'm executive producing this show mm-hmm. on TBS and that's a lot of pressure for me, more than I've ever had in any project right. I've ever done. And you do, and I'm sure you felt the same way, which is like, you can't hurt me more than my dad dying. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. Like, even if this show failed and I never get another job or whatever, I don't know. I don't know. You can't beat it. Yeah. You can't take away from me more than that did. It is freeing in and some way. And it's freeing in a way where it's like, oh, your pain can't hurt more than that. Yeah. You know, and so there is an opening and I'll convince myself that there's some serious pain in my life and then I'll go, oh, but it's not dad yeah. dying. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, and so that helps that helps me grow up. That's man shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like where you turn from 
you know, sort of a bubble boy, which I was, you know, and then the next day you're sort of like, I don't, if I have a sex question, I cannot ask my father. Or if I have a question about shaving or, you know, and I did, I was fucking 22, you know, I still had a lot of dumb questions to ask and, and I still do still have a ton of dumb questions to ask at 37. So it's like, you know, you lose that and, and it's, it's, you know, you have to depend more on friends and, and, and things like that. And, And that stuff is, that's pretty, pretty big to face. Yeah, I think so. I, I guess I had two things off of that. Um, one, like, do you think that ever goes away? That, like, the dumb shit, like, I still have questions about, like, being an adult and manhood? I mean, at 37, Maybe. I mean, I have think- friends who are married and have kids and stuff. I do not. I, yeah. I, I, I don't. So there are times that I've been in relationships and I have questions for him about growing up, mm-hmm. and that's recent. So that didn't change. Um, and then... I mean, there's still, like, you know, this Trump thing mm-hmm. is really hard to do without someone, you know, I mean, I'm fine. My mom is good to talk to about it, but I would love for my to hear my, I, my father didn't get to see Obama. Right. So, like, there's a lot of, you know, small things like that, that I, that you, I does not go away. No, that doesn't yeah. go away. No, I still wish I could talk to my dad about Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's not a, you know, he, he and I were more critical thinkers than my mom and I were together. Right. My mom and I were very uh, sensitive, critical thinkers about emotions. My father and I about current events or sports or mm. things like that. So I lost that, you know, I lost that aspect of um, current event calls. Right. And those still hurt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you said when, uh, was it Kevin? It was the Kevin da- fell off the balcony, first. Yeah. You know, you said that you didn't get to say goodbye in the same capacity with your dad, but just like... I did hey, with my father, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah is great. Time. Yeah. Um, but like... Even just you said that, like, you know, my goodbye was, like, saying I love you on the phone. And, like, that, I feel One like... One other thing did happen. Uh, a friend from high school, Jenny, um, mm-hmm. who weirdly lived in both worlds, she moved to Scottsdale from Calabasas. So, she ended sure. up knowing both of us, which was very weird. Okay. So, Jenny, we had all put together that we both knew Jenny early at, at, in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin and I all sort of like, oh, you know Jenny. That happened early. Right. And then Jenny is the one who called me from Rocky Point. Is that what I called it earlier? Something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Um, and she called me from a payphone in the hospital before cell phones and was like, there's been an accident. That's who I heard it from. And then she was like, Kevin's mom's about to pass me. Do you want to, do you want to talk to her? And fucking ballsy ass 18 year old. Cause I just said yes. And uh-huh. then she handed the phone to mom and mom, the mom was great. She was really, I mean, well, she knew, I mean, I'd met her a couple times right. and we had, she knew we were best friends in college. And so she was quick to say, do you want me to say anything to him? And so I told her what I wanted to say yeah. uh, at 18. Yeah. Uh, and then she went in and told him that. And then when I saw her at the funeral, she's like, I told him that, you know, he wasn't responding. That's but, amazing to have like, cause the shock of that, I feel like th- I, mean, I think that's the difference. I can't believe I said about. yes. I can't believe I said yes to talk to the mom. But don't you, isn't that, don't it's you feel good about that? Guy, like, I feel like some sort of higher power told me to do that. But yeah. looking back now, I don't even think I would do that now. No. You just like give her a space. Don't worry. She doesn't have to worry about my feelings right, right. now. But she was so great. She got on the phone immediately and was like, Jensen, um, I'm so sorry. And I was like, what? 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 Uh, what? I'm so sorry. And you know, I was crying and she was crying. And then she said, do you want me to say anything to him? Yeah. Because he hadn't passed away yet. And I was like, yes. And then I said the thing. And then she went in and said it. Yeah. I think there's some merit to that. I know uh, I had, uh, there was like a chaplain that came around when my mom was, uh, you know. Yeah, they always the come end. around, yeah. yeah Priests and rabbis and they always come around to ask you if you want to pray. And she was fantastic, like yeah. very um, calming and just lovely. And uh, But anyway, she said that like, you know, sometimes it might be helpful to, you know, call other people who are not going to be around and just, you know, hold the phone up to their ears, to my mother's ear or whoever's ear yeah. and just like let them 
say their goodbyes. Yeah, and and I, it's I cathartic do, I, for them. And I think they hear it. I think so too. Like, I mean, this could be entirely just projecting, but like, I felt like each time, even though my mom wasn't responsive, like there was something. I think there was that, a, yeah, a life in there I, yeah. that was still same as my dad when they took him off the support. It was like he was still sort of responding a little right until like right at the end but he i do remember sort of even his hand moving a little bit when i would say things mm-hmm. and ask for a response um and he, i two days before my dad died i got a tattoo on my arm it says for you dad mm-hmm. from mark mahoney who's like my therapist basically and my tattoo artist and when i went in he was like almost dying and he pointed to his arm and, and tried to say for you son like he was going to get it when he got out uh oh, wow. which like i remember vividly um, and that was pretty late too. That's such a lovely gesture. Yeah, I mean, also like a perfect like simile of my father, like right. thinking he's still getting out. <laughs> but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was great. He's a I fighter, mean, man. He was a fighter, but but uh, yeah, I knew he was not getting that tattoo. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like it was it was it was difficult. I still wasn't the person who like ID'd my father. You know, there were things mm-hmm. like that's a good example, right? right? Like, do you want to ID your father? And my answer was immediately no. Yeah. My mom was nice enough to do it. Um. But that's like checking the social media, right? Like I felt the pain, but I'm not right. going to go in and look at him dead. That's right. that's too much. I mean, I don't push myself. I, I, I don't push myself one too far. Well, it sounds like you, I, that's what, what I was coming back to this thing. Are you saying I love you to your friend? Yeah. Like I feel like doing that at 17 years old takes like yeah. a lot of emotional intelligence and maturity. Because yeah. like I think a lot of 17 year olds are not kind of leaning into that yeah. by and large and saying like expressing emotion in the same capacity. I mean, you're like an exposed nerve at that point, but I yeah. think it's also like, which you were talking about, like you were, uh, you're not cool. You're kind of because you're too close to your family. I was you're very like the close, bubble. yeah, very close. Even then, yeah, very, very close. But you're cognizant of that, so you're like you play things closer to the vest because you don't want to be perceived as anything out of the norm. And like no. sometimes expressing emotion is that. Yeah, and I, I just didn't even hear that. I, I was so in with like my nickname in high school was Mother because I was so close to my mom. Like oh wow, like Norman Bates shit. Like Mother, Jesus. Um, yeah, pretty fucked up. <laughs> who who gave you that nickname? My for my good friends. Yeah, okay. yeah, like uh-huh. guys who thought it was funny that I like cared about my SAT tutoring because yeah. my mom paid for it. Um, and so like they just thought that was funny, and I they always did it from a loving because they liked my mom, so mm-hmm. it was it was like from a loving place. But um, yeah, I just didn't want to like make them mad or because I liked them. So yeah. so that was more you know my that was more like where I was coming from, I guess right. not, not, not from like a, I don't know. It, 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 sensitivity wise, I was just very open. So I didn't, so I wasn't shocked to say, I love you to a friend on the phone. It was just, I was always sort of in tune that way. Well, I think that's safely, but it also seems just from like this and maybe, maybe this is entirely off, but it seems like you have like the, an emotional intelligence to, to know also like what your limitations are. Oh, and I've, that is from, Pure burns. Right. That's that's the because you guy, feel like you've gone too far. That's the guy who knows where the campfire is. Right. Yeah. That's that's the burn victim who who can't get too close to the lighter. That's right. literally what it is. Hmm. And so like I've I've just calloused to a point of like how how close I can get and then and then I have then I for my own health have to have to pull or get away. What were those instances? Because like you seemed to I mean you hadn't I guess you lost friends, but like to lose your dad, like you knew instinctively, I don't need to be the one who goes and ID. Well, there's like a dumb, yeah, there's another example where my father was, um, I had helped him from 10 a.m. to like 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. nonstop. It's near the end. I had literally taken care of him for an entire day. Mm-hmm. And I had done things that were like one step further than anything I'd ever done right. and really just picked him up a lot. And re- I just like, it was just, you know, it's the part of the movie, it's the montage that like breaks your fucking heart yep. you know and and you have to have that if you're having a dead parent you know or a dying parent like that moment yeah. always happens and i had that moment and at 8 p.m i said i had to go home he lived in the valley and he gave me this look 
No, not even look. I guess I was trying to sugarcoat it there. He did say to me that he, he was like, well, stay with me. Uh, stay here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? I was like, because he only had, he rented a room at a house. And I said, well, then I'd have to sleep in the bed with you. And he like alluded like, yeah, who cares? Like, right. you know, yeah, we'll do that. And then I knew in my mind, that's one step too far. Right. And I went home and I told him, I even remember saying, I don't know if that's the healthiest thing right now. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay, he didn't care, you right. know, and, and, and that could plague me. I should have slept over one more night. I don't have that plague. I know what, yeah. I know where I was healthy and where I wasn't. Yeah. I mean, shit, playing that Monday morning quarterback, like, where uh, and, and, and I, and I, I have that instinct, but like, I've never really played it the other way. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. There's like a bunch of things that I like look back on. Like, I wish I would have done differently, yeah. but but I don't know if that's they even don't possible. haunt me the same that's way that I thought they would. Yeah, like I have relationships that, you know, I fell in love for like the first time last year, mm-hmm. or ever. I was 36 years old. And I play it out differently in my head or, or the way that it, that it went or whatever, but like none of that shit could ever happen. Right. Like there's no world where like there's another dimension where you're like, I did this instead or they did this instead right. or it was different timing or it, that shit doesn't exist. Right. So... I guess I've just gotten better at saying like, well, you know, you're stuck with, with what happened. Mm-hmm. You, there's no changing it. So why would you torture yourself in living in it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a great advice. I think the only thing you can do in those instances is like recognize like, okay, I, I wish I would have done this. Yeah. I'm going to try to take that into the future. That's what I'm doing. And yeah. do that. Yeah. And, and I've, been, try dating, to do that and I've more. been dating someone and I've felt like, uh, matured from the last one and right. I guess you learn where the campfire is it's a good yeah. analogy you just yeah. learn more and more what you can and can't do and you just become a better partner or you become a better person or you become better to yourself yeah. like all three of those things for me have just become um, you know more prevalent or more 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 obvious to notice I guess right. like oh that's what I need to do or that's what I can't do or that's what I want to do or that's what I want um, and you learn that from, from mistakes but do you also uh, you know you were talking about being your dad's caretaker yeah, yeah and also you know clearly we're very close with these friends and also if you're divorced like yeah that seems to be like an instinct that you want to like take on some of that burden a little bit yeah and i think people in my life like if friends would acknowledge that being like my downfall right even though it's really not for me but i do like i've gotten a lot better at it but yeah it does seem that like after my father's death i was probably more likely to cling on to those who need help mm-hmm. rather than and now I'm much better at asking for help or right. being the helped yeah like those are things that I like to accept um, now more than I ever had I, I like it I like yeah. being that I mean I've, I've put in enough time the other way yeah I think I deserve it I feel like for a long time like I always thought that like oh I don't need help because I can do all these things on my own yeah and it was only just the, getting worn down like the Grand Canyon like slowly after time we're like okay it's okay to accept help and that doesn't make me a weak person yeah no, but I think absolutely. it took like going through all that shit was it like a similar experience absolutely I mean I think you know asking for what you want or or feeling content getting the things you want those mm-hmm. are really hard things to do no matter what age you are also even to articulate that sometimes yeah, like I, what do I want and I still have problems with that I yeah. still don't necessarily know exactly what it is but I know that I can play it by ear a lot more than I used to mm-hmm. rather than you know like I guess rather than stay I, I don't know what the answer is to that I, I guess I'm better at realizing eh that's not for me right. <laughs> like this feels bad I think right. this feels bad is the more like I I could stay in like a relationship where this feels bad for like a year 
sure. a long time ago. Yeah. Like a year I could do that. And then it got down to like four months. And then it got down to like two months. And then mm-hmm. it got down to like two weeks of feeling bad. Like, right. And I've gotten it down now to like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. A week of feeling bad? That doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, and so those things are the things that really kicked into my obsessive thoughts disorder. Mm-hmm. And so I've just gotten better at being like, nope. It's like I get migraines still. I don't know if it's because the tumors or not, but like as soon as I get a shadow, I'll take Excedrin migraine, which is like this fucking. Sure. It's a miracle. Oh my God. A miracle drug that everyone should know is a miracle. And I take Excedrin migraine at the first shadow and I don't get migraines that much. Hmm. Um, It's like that. It's like, I'll know the migraines coming. I'll do what I need to do. And then I fucking feel much better. Well, it's just like an app metaphor for just like learning how to take care of yourself and learning, knowing, as you said, like the campfire, like if I, if I wait longer, that campfire is going to get hotter. Yeah. And then, I feel like that's the hardest thing I've ever, that's the biggest thing I've ever done. Like that compared to like opening a gallery or having a million dollar record deal or Mm -hmm. having a TV show, the hardest thing I've ever done is caring about myself enough to listen. Well, yeah. Cause like you focus on everybody else. Yeah. And I can't, and now I'm, I've gotten really good at it and, um, I've, I've just gotten a lot better and that's that. I think that's the main, uh, that's what's helped me the most is just saying like, dude, well, take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, and that, that never would have happened before like 36 or 30. I just couldn't humanly do it. Isn't that also interesting? Like it feels like something that should be so easy so and intrinsic, easy. but yeah. it's like, it feels like that is mostly like the human experience. It's the worst. Like you start off and you like learn to take care of all these other things. And then from there, like your goal is just like learn how to be good to yourself because yeah. everything will get better. Yeah. And people are attracted to being good to yourself. Yeah. Like that, that turns into a lot of other things, you know, it's like that Beck Bennett video that sure. he did where he just works out and makes himself feel better and then eventually he doesn't even think of that girl and he meets a girl in a, you know that parking garage scene and it's a great little short that he made yeah. um, and like that shit it's true yeah. like it's just like the more you care about yourself the more you take care of yourself um, and not only just physically but just like mentally and meditating and yeah. I, I go to hypnotherapy and I, I do um, a lot of stuff that you know I went to obsessive uh, OCD center here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles and I really spent like a good four or five months just just hankering down on self care right. before this TBS show started work I had like a good two months off and I just I took it in as a job oh that's fantastic yeah it's the best that sounds like that just makes me like oh I, yeah. I need to do that that's yeah, what two I two months yeah. you can find somewhere yeah um, we've covered like a, a wide broad swath I, I, of so things so people here. know I'm recording it yeah. on my machine at home and we're at about an hour and a couple minutes great just so you know because okay. I know you can't see the time yeah you know it's 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 you do enough of these you kind of get like a sense of like <laughs> yes. where you are um, so we've covered like a broad swath of topics here so I usually try to ask this question towards the end, but yeah. it's less pointed now. But like, what would your advice be to anybody who's going through like, I don't know, I guess just um, something awful in a, in a period where otherwise it should be great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, it feels like I mean, there's a confluence of these things absolutely. where it should have been happy. The negative but, and positive mm-hmm. feeds, right? So I, I guess it's about, I, I mean, for me, it's about not being hard on yourself because you don't feel that thing. Right. Because all that does is is begat more pain. And exacerbates. Yeah, it just makes yeah, it worse. Sense of guilt. And and so there's there's a part of almost like especially people like me and you who are probably raised around uh, Jewish parents or mm-hmm. more neuroses than other people. It's it's you have to say oh this is just this is this is the ebb and flow. Like in, in, in at the O C D center you learn um, I don't know how much has helped other people, but it helped me a lot, which is like that thoughts 
and and those feelings are a lot like the ocean, right? So the waves are going to come no matter what. Right. They're never going to stop. And the funny part about the waves is that they're just built off the water you've already seen. Right. There's never a day where just like new water is the wave. Right. It's the same shit being recycled. And I and thoughts are like that, which is like they're never going to go away. They feed off themselves. Mm-hmm. And the more that you can steer them in a positive direction, at least you can handle the wave when it comes in. And that is a huge deal for someone who's going through positive and negative at the same time because I'm not saying focus only on the positive and be like, you know, a zombie. Yeah. But like, know that this is all a wave. Right. Know that it's always going to come. It's always going to go. This thing's never going to stop. You just have to learn to live with it. And that was something I did not have while at Interscope and at 20 years old and a million dollar record well, deal. That makes sense. Yeah. And the, You're a then, zygote, basically. Yeah, a weirdo. Yeah. And then as time went on and... You know, me and you face things all the time about pitches or auditions. Mm-hmm. or And I don't feel those because I, and at this point, between my dad's death or the failure as a kid, like, you're not going to beat those things. Now it's just about getting enough irons in the fire, for me at least, to, yeah. to be happy um, with one coming through or, or, or just happy with personal growth. It's just, it's just, I guess I'm saying, like, understand it as ebb and flow. Right. Not as negative and doomsday. Right. Oh, this is doomsday. Don't don't lie to yourself. But then say, you know, it's going to give and give and take. Yeah. Well, I think it's good to be just like to be cognizant of uh, like, yeah, you're still going to feel sadness and you're going to feel yeah. failure and rejection. But it's not it, by and large, it's not going to kill you. No. And then you're going to also feel joy yeah. and victory and celebration. Yeah. I think that's that's probably the best thing to tell people is just it's going to come and go. Right. It's I mean. It hurts and all that shit stings, but you know. Well, it's kind of like just the also, also like the thing that that fucks you up about death is like the recognition that everything is temporary. Yeah, and so are these feelings of like rejection or 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 sadness. That's also temporary too. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's things that come out of these things, man. Yeah, you know, there's things of positivity that come out of the worst things, which is like I stand up for myself a lot more. Mm-hmm. I have a voice of my own. I, I I don't take shit as much. I know what I what I I know what I want. You know yourself better. I know myself. I know my voice. I know yeah. comedically. I know what I want to do. I know I know what stuff I want out there. Like even being an EP now, it's like even a couple years ago, if something came up that I didn't want in the show, and and maybe more experienced people were fighting for it, I would be like, all right, well they know. Now I'm just like, nah, man, we're here because. Some of it's my idea. Yeah. This, this concept was mine originally. Yeah. I'm gonna at least I'm gonna at least give voice to what exactly, I want exactly and fight for it, or, or you know, and people respect that. Yeah, it's just it's about getting old enough, and for lack of a better word, getting old enough to to have that confidence. Well, yeah, it's it's confidence, but it's also it's like, well, oh, fuck it. Yeah, it's a real fuck. Like it. if somebody doesn't agree with my opinion, so, yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't give a shit. I'm still like I'm still gonna be yeah. nice. I'm gonna still like gonna be a nice person. Yeah, just like I disagree with you. Yeah, and that's fuck a good, it. that's a great feeling. Yeah. And that comes with that comes with tragedy. Yeah. Because it's perspective. Absolutely. Um, well, that feels like a good note to end on. <laughs> yeah. That feels great. We could definitely bring up something that ruins it if you want. Oh, sure, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just fucking around. No, Did off. you see the new M. Night movie? No, I don't oh, do scary shit. I don't, okay, then don't see this, but I, there's something in it that's just so stupid. Oh, that sounds great. It that just sounds like a, dumb a lot of twist. things. Yeah. It's not a twist. It's just like a dumb thing. Whatever. Is I see he, done, is he done doing twists? No, this is like a twist at the end. So, like, he's just like, I'm, I'm the twist guy. I'm always going to twist. <laughs> yeah. I would love he's to see... He's the chubby checker of movies. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see him just do, like, a like a mediocre rom-com. He, like, no fucking twist. Just yeah. straight at it. Like, just people, like, fall in love. Just and then there's Yeah. But then at the end, they're all dead. Sure. Uh, no, I, yeah. He, yeah. He, it's, whatever. I just was trying to ruin it with a weird ending. But, but... No, I'm it, very it, into it. It's a, it's a weird movie. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to see it because I'm an enormous pussy when it comes to scary things. But yeah, you're better. Uh, Thanks, man. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. No worries. All right, thanks, bud. Well, how about that? Uh, It just goes to show you, man. Even when things are appear to be great. There's always some other shit happening. You know what I mean? If you just pull back the curtain, you recognize that uh, even those who we think are doing doing wonderfully and on top of the world, they probably have some shit going on. Uh, thank you so much to Jensen for being so open and vulnerable and just telling some fun stories. Fun? You know what I mean. Um, seriously, thank you, Jensen. That was delightful. Uh, also, thank yous to Hayden Fongheiser and Kingdom Flying Club and Julia Pod for doing the things behind the scenes, like art and music and just producing the show. You guys are great. Uh, and the last, of course, thank you goes to you guys for just being wonderful and listening and, uh, you know, going on this weird journey with me. Whew. That's it. I hope you guys have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>